Well, well, well. It sounds like you guys are excited to be in the house of the Lord today. Come on. Go ahead. You can be seated. Man, it's so good to be with you guys today and to worship. We're super excited. We have some great things planned. Just in a few minutes, we're going to take communion together as a family. So really, really excited about that. But man, I'm telling you what, this week, uh, I, I, I caught a little bit of audible on, on the message that we're going to be talking about today. And my wife, she looks at me and bless her heart. She goes, well, what's an audible? <laughs> I'm like, okay, and football. <laughs> you know? And you went through that kind of conversation, right? But I think it's really good the direction what the Lord has really placed in my heart this week. And we're not getting away from the prayer series. I'm just going to share with you how to specifically pray for a specific request. Because the reality is this. When you look around, there's so many people here. And everyone's at a different stage of life of requesting things from God. Maybe you're requesting God. God, you know, what college do you want me to go to? You're requesting that. God, what do you want me to major in? To God, who do you want me to marry? To God, should I take this position, take that promotion? Should I move my family to that city? Should I build that house, not build that house? Should I buy that? Should I not? I mean, we're all at different stages of requesting from God. And if I ask you how to pray, most of you would say, well, man, I guess prayer really is just talking to God. And it is. But it's not only talking to God, it's also hearing from Him and, and getting in position. And we talked about that in the last couple of weeks. How to prepare to hear God speak. How to learn to hear God speak. And today I'm going to share with you specifically how to pray for a specific request that all of us are going to pray together today. So I'm really excited about it. So come on, let's pray one more time. Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity to come in your house and worship you. God, you are here today. You are in this place. And God, whatever is keeping us up at night, whatever we're struggling with, we're worried about, we're depressed about, we're anxious about, we're confused about, God, just for the next few minutes, would you just calm our hearts, calm our minds, that really we encounter you today. And Lord, we, we didn't leave here and weigh all our great worship or what a message that spoke to me. But we leave here today knowing that we encountered a living God. That's our heart. That's our prayer. So God, do what only you can do. And that's change our hearts and open the eyes of our hearts that we may see you this morning. We love you, Jesus. For it's in your name we ask and we pray. Come on now. And everybody said, amen, amen. Can we get for the worship team, man, one more time? They do amazing every single week. Yes. Go ahead and look at the person beside you. Say, I'm glad you're here today. Tell them. Say, I'm glad you're here today. Look back at them and say, you look good today. Tell them. Say, you look good today. <laughs> look back at them and say, I look good every day. You know what I'm saying? What are you talking about? Just today. You want to see me on Sunday. Right? Man, it's so good to see. And before we jump in, let me just go to say a big thank you. A big thank you. The Operation Christmas Shoebox, um, it's just a really big thing that's really near and dear to my wife and my heart. And we're just so thankful that the church would get behind something like that. To take what we call as maybe as a gift or a box to countries all over the world. In fact, if you didn't this year, next year, you actually can just go online and, and when you print off the, the package, the slip package, you can actually track your box all over the world. And what's so fascinating about it, I know you're like this exciting, a little boy, a girl gets a toy 
toy that gets a box that gets something for Christmas. But the reality is this. They use those boxes to get into countries where the gospel has been shut and the doors have been closed. And they actually share the gospel with every single person they give a box to. So it's not just a box. You are part of an evangelistic strategy and movement to share the gospel all over the world. So thank you so much for being a part of that. Speaking of Christmas, some people have been asking and wondering, you know, every year that at Christmas, we take up a Christmas offering. And if you've been new to us, you know, we do this all the time every Christmas and we give away to missions. We help uh, nonprofit organizations in our community. We've used it to launch this campus here to build this facility. A lot of pastor friends say, hey, tell me a little bit about your capital campaign. What did you do to raise funds to build a building? And I told them we never did a capital campaign. And they look at me like you're cray cray. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you're like, what are you talking about? No, we didn't do a capital campaign. I'm not anti-capital campaign. We just didn't do one. And they said, but what's your strategy? I said, this has been our strategy since the beginning for 11 years. They said, what is it? Listen to Jesus and do what he tells you to do. I think that's a pretty good strategy, right? And, and this year we're really excited. Yeah, go ahead. Golf clap. Golf clap. And this year, we're really excited because every year we focus and really pray, God, what do you want us to do with this? And so what we decided to this year, and in case you don't know this, if you're new, hanging out, we are actually launching a church, a campus in Grayson. And honestly, it, is, it costs. I mean, it costs. It's a lot of money to get a campus up and running and fully funded and, and able to do. But here's what we know. If God's called us, he doesn't handicap his church. It's his will. If it's, it's his will, he will provide through his people. So what I want to encourage you to do is that on December the 16th, so you can go ahead and make plans if you're not going to be here or whatever. Uh, when we take up our offering, again, we do this every Christmas. If you're new to us, we do this every Christmas. And everything that comes in on December the 16th goes to launch the Grayson campus. Now, let me tell you something about launching a church, launching a Grayson, the campus there. The greatest evangelistic strategy, and evangelistic, I mean helping people see Jesus, encounter Jesus, and give their life to Jesus. The greatest way that they see the best, best case scenario or results, whatever you want to say, of reaching new people with the gospel is church planning. Church planning is the fastest and way to reach new people. Every time you give to missions, you give to a missionary who goes into a country or a city or a place and they try to reach an indigenous leader in that area to raise them up to start a church because they will reach people. And that's one of the greatest ways to reach people who are far from God is to plant churches. Do you know, in the last 11 years since we started this church, we have seen over 2,000 people saved right here. 2,000 people. That's insane. That's insane. And there's thousands and thousands more. And so many people say, well, why are you going to Grayson? Why Carter County? Do you know today? There are 27,000 people in Carter County. 27,000 people in Carter County. Conservatively, today, 20,000 of them stayed home and did not go to a place of worship. 20,000 people. There are great churches in Carter County. There are great pastors. I've met with them and talked to them. 20,000 people in Carter County did not get up today and step foot in a house of worship. And you're like, oh my gosh, that's a lot of people. Let's just bring it home. Out of the 23,000 people in our county, in Round County, are roughly 18,000 of them today. People that you passed. You passed their house. You passed them at work and all this stuff. Today stayed home and did not attend a place of house of worship. 
Folks, come on. There are thousands of people who need the gospel. There are thousands of people who need Jesus. Because the reality is sin has broken our relationship. And since we can't get to God, God came to us. And he came to us in the form of Jesus. And he, Jesus came and he died for us. He got out of the grave for us. And hallelujah, he's coming back to get us. Which that's what we're about to celebrate in a moment for communion. And so there's thousands of people who don't know Jesus. And we need to fulfill his mission. What is his mission? Well, listen to what the Bible says. The Bible tells us that Jesus said in Luke 19, For the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost, who don't, who don't have a relationship with Him. Jesus says, I've come to find those, to seek and save those, those people who don't have a relationship with my Father, with me. You know our theme verse, John 10, 10, right? A thief only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I've come that you can have a real life, that you can have eternal life, that you can have more life. And then here's where we get the name of our church right from this passage. That you can have a better life than you've ever dreamed of. How many people are experiencing an abundant life, a full life, a better life? There's thousands of people who don't experience a better life. Now a better life doesn't mean there's the absence of pain and suffering. The better life is the presence of Jesus through your pain and suffering. And this is the place that people are suffering that people just are wanting someone to bring them to a place where they can hear the gospel preached. Because my Bible tells me this in 2 Peter 3. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you. How many of you are thankful that God's patient with you? Come on, right? You better be patient. Like, I'm so glad that God is patient with me. And look here. He's not wanting anyone to perish anyone to go to hell, anyone to die apart from him, but everyone to come to repentance. God wants everyone, your family member, your spouse, your kid, your co-worker, your sorority sisters, your fraternity brothers, your teammates, your coach, your classmate, your roommate. God wants every one of us to come to repentance. And if we're going to be like Jesus, we need to continue the mission of Jesus. And as we're thinking about the season that we're in, we're about to actually launch a church at the first of the year. We're about to give birth to this church in the beginning of the year. And I shared this with our staff uh, last week. We have 11-year-old and now a baby. Right, parents? Come on. How's that? Right? You know that, right? Everything's great when you have one and then two comes, right? I mean, this is crazy. Someone all ago says, just talk to me after the first service. Said, man, we'll have one. I think we're done. One and done. One and done. And I said, man, our first kid, oh my gosh, she was like the, the, the model child of a kid that raised up, right? The first kid, I mean, like, I'm like, if this is what it means to be a parent, honey, give us a hundred something, right? Let's just go at it, right? Listen, and then Logan comes. <laughs> Everyone needs a Logan in their family. I'll tell you. He's amazing. Amazing kid. And I mean, he's like, what? Oh my gosh, he's just so funny. And he's just like, what? Uh, we're done. And then we had two more after that. So I don't know. We have to figure that one out too. But anyway, but there's something about just, you know, reaching people in the new birth. We have 11 year old and you have a baby. That means this, something has to change. Because the same strategy and the same strategy, the same system, the same structure, like you got to figure out now, how do we have a baby and 11 year old? And how does that work as we lead the church and lead this movement that God has set before us? How do we do it? So th some things just have to change to make that happen. And so I think that's the season we're headed into. We're heading into the season of a new beginning. This heading into the season of, of a new birth. 
And, and really what that lays out is that new people and to reach new people, and you're going to hear more about that. We're going to talk more about that in 2019 as we get closer. But 2018 is still here. And we are going to actually begin just like jumpstart 2019 for what's about to take place. On December the 2nd, Clayton King, one of my great friends, is going to be here preaching. Clayton is one of the pastors of one of the largest church in America. He, we've been great friends for a long time. He's wrote several, several books. He has his own ministry, Crossroad Camp. We send our kids there this summer to the Crossroad Camp. So students, you know Clayton, if you've been there. Over the last, since he's been called to preach when he was a teenager, he, he, is, he was adopted. He has no idea who his parents are, his biological parents. Till to this day, he doesn't know. They believe God saw something great in him. As a teenager, he was called to preach. He's been preaching. He's seen over a quarter million people come to faith through his ministry and preaching. That's insane. And I've, I've shared with him, he keeps, he knows, we've been friends, he's like, man, Pat, he said, Daniel, when, when can I come? He's been begging to get to Moorhead to come. I was like, man, I, well, I want you at the right time. I mean, listen, Clayton, if we only have you come one time, this is, I want you at the right time to show up. And December the 2nd is that time. This is the right time for him to come. And so there's some things that we're going to do to get in position to get ready for that. But Clayton, I, he, he shot a video for us that he wanted me to show you. He did this last Sunday after church. So I want, I want to roll this. Uh, here's Clayton. He, he's got a word for you. Hey, what's up, Better Life Church? Clayton King here from New Spring Church and Crossroads Summer Camps. I want to tell you how excited I am to be able to come and preach for you guys on December 2nd. I've been a great friend with Pastor Daniel for about 20 years, and for the last uh, decade or so, I've been following his life and your ministry at Better Life. I cannot tell you how expectant I am about what God's going to do on December 2nd. If you know somebody that's not a believer and doesn't know Jesus or is just struggling in their walk with the Lord, Get them to church on December 2nd at Better Life. I believe we're going to see God do some amazing things. I can't wait to meet you. I can't wait to serve you. I can't wait to be there with you guys. I'll see you guys on December 2nd. And so he texted me this video, and I was watching it, and it, something began to change. Because the, the, the message that I have for you guys is about how do you receive and you request something from the Lord? How do we get in position? So the first week, preparation, last week learning his voice, and today we're focused on receiving and requesting. And then there's something he said at the end of that video that just, that just really got, man, uh, God just spoke right through. Remember we talked about how God speaks through people and confirms things, and he said this, who are you going to bring that doesn't know Jesus on December the 2nd. And the moment that I heard that, the moment I saw it, I was like, no, it's call it audible. We got to change this and focus on how do we specifically pray for the people around us who don't know Jesus. So let's do this right now. Who in your life, in this region, that you know does not have a relationship with Jesus? Who comes to your mind right now? Could be a spouse, kid, coach, a friend, a boyfriend, a girlfriend. Who is it? Who right now in your life that you know that does not have a relationship with Jesus and you want to see them have a relationship with Jesus? Because here's what we're going to do. In your seat when you walked in is probably a card that looks like this. If not, maybe you could find one beside you. This card on the back of it is what I want you to do is write the first name down of that person. Because here's what we're going to do. You are going to be praying for the next 14 days for this person that you're going to bring them. I'm not talking about a little Facebook fluffy invite. Oh, you should come with me. No, you're coming. You're going, to, you're going to get them here. And in a moment when you leave, you're going to drop this off in the back. And we as a staff and team members, we're going to pray over these for the people that you love and care about to be saved, to be saved on that day. And so this is going to be an exciting time. If you were with us back in 2009, 
there was just something that was a stern within us. And I went to the staff, and here's what I said. We're going to pray and fast for 21 days that we see 100 people saved in three weeks. Now, you got to understand, we're 18 months old as a church. We've not even seen 100 people saved in 18 months. And I said, let's do it. They said, you're crazy. They still say that, but in a different way, more respectful. But they said, you're crazy. And folks, listen, we didn't see 100 people saved in three weeks. We saw 101 people saved in one day. One day. And we're going to do the same thing. For the next 14 days, the person's name that you write down. Some of you, you might five or six people you want to pray for. Awesome. Because what I'm going to teach you right now is I'm going to teach you how to specifically pray and request for the people you love and your family to come to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And so you may not have someone come to your mind. Maybe when we walk through this in the next few minutes, someone will come to your mind. But maybe you have five people you're going to pray for. Maybe you have five people, but you are going to bring one person. And we're going to pull out extra chairs, and we're going to have overflow. But listen, we're going to get in position expecting that God's going to use Clayton to preach the gospel to change people's lives. And so we're going to get in position. So just hang tight on that just in a moment, and we're going to, we're going to catch up and walk through that. And so I say this all the time. If you want to take notes, this is a great Time to take notes, but really this one is. And let me tell you why. Because here's ways that you can begin to pray for your spouse, your kids, an aunt, an uncle, a parent. This is how you begin to pray for them to come to know Jesus as the Lord and Savior. So if you're ready to get started and you think I can do this in the next 14 minutes, say let's go. Y'all better pray for me. All right, here's the first thing. Now, I left a blank here. And the blank I'm going to fill in here is the name I'm praying for. This is not his name, but I'm going with Bob, okay? But I'm, I'm, I, like, I don't know, Bob. I just feel like going with Bob. And if you're here and you're Bob, he's like, oh my gosh, he's praying for me. I do pray for you, but I'm not praying for you, Bob. This is a made-up name. I have a guy in my life and lives in this community who does not go to church. And he is the person that I'm going to be praying for and I'm going after him. I'm doing everything in my power to get him here. I'm building a relationship with him. I don't have a relationship with him. And I am building purposely a relationship with him so that he will come to a place where he can hear the gospel and his life can be changed. And so we're going to walk through this. How do we do this? Here's the first thing you need to write down if you're going to pray for someone. I pray, and I'm going to put in the blank Bob. I pray that Bob's eyes will be opened. I pray that Sarah's eyes will be opened. That Jessica's eyes will be opened. That Tommy's eye, whoever it is that you're praying for. And you're going to pray for them by name. And I pray that their eyes will be open. Now you may ask, Pastor, why do we pray specifically for their eyes to be open? Well, listen what the scripture tells us about those who don't know Jesus. And if you were at that point one time in your life, this is how you were as well. Listen to what he says in 2 Corinthians 4. If the good news, now what's the good news? Jesus came, he died, he got up out of this grave, and whoever puts their faith and trust in him will not go to hell, but spend eternity with Jesus forever. That's good news. That's what the good news is. If the good news we preach is hidden behind a veil, it's hidden only from the people who are dying, who are perishing, who are on the way there. Satan, which we talked about a while back, who is the little G God of this world, Satan is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news, and they don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is in the exact likeness of God. You want me to tell you what's going on with the people around you that don't know Jesus? They're blinded. They're blinded. Doesn't mean they're a bad person. 
In fact, some of the people you're praying for right now, they're very, very good morally. They're just good people, but they are blinded. And folks, at one time for the 20 years of my life, I was blinded. But praise God, I couldn't see, but now I can see. And see, you've been in the same position as well. Your eyes were closed. You were blinded by the devil. And you know this, right? There's people in your life, you want to talk about church, you talk about God, and all of a sudden a big old front comes up. Don't talk about, don't want to hear. You know who I'm talking about. You've seen it. You've been around it. It's because, listen, it's not because they're a bad person. It's because they are blinded by the enemy. And we're specifically going to pray, God, would you open the eyes to, to Bob's heart? Would you open his eyes to his mind that he would just listen to the things of God? So specifically, that's the first request. Here's the second one. I pray that Bob's heart would be open. I'm sorry, this is the second one. I pray that God will draw Bob to himself. I'm going to pray, God, would you please draw Bob to yourself? Draw him. He needs you to draw him. Why would we pray for God to draw people to himself? Like, why would we specifically pray that prayer? Well, listen to what Jesus says in John 6. He says this, for no one, say no one, no one, not you, not me, your spouse, your kid, your coach, no one. No one can come to me unless my father, the father who sent me, draws them. No one can come to God unless God is drawing them. So here's my question. How does God draw people? Like, how does God do that then? How would God draw my spouse, draw my kid, draw my boyfriend, my girlfriend, draw my... How does God draw people? God draws people by the gospel. It's the gospel that draws people to himself. That's why the Bible says faith comes from hearing and hearing the gospel, the word. That's why it's important to get people to a place where the gospel is being preached. The Bible says it like this. Jesus says, if you will lift me up, if the Son of Man will be lifted up, I will draw men and women to myself. People ask all the time, what's the church growth strategy? What's the strategy of Better Life Church? How in the world does 13, 1,400 people in a city of six to 7,000 people? That's insane. How does that happen? And let me tell you how it happens. Every single week, every single Sunday, there will never be a Sunday that you have not or will not show up where we don't talk about Jesus. Jesus is the only one who can fix your marriage, break your addiction, and heal you. So faithfully, every single Sunday, we lift up Jesus. And when we lift up Jesus, guess what he does? Look around. No man can do this. No worship team can do this. No building can do this. Only Jesus can draw people to themselves. So the reality, that's why every week we say, listen, find somebody you don't know. Bring somebody. Why? Unless you share the gospel with them specifically and individually, you need to do everything you can to get them to a place where Jesus is lifted up. And when you lift up Jesus, he said, I will draw men and women to myself. The gospel is what draws them to the Father. That's why we got to get people in the house. Here is the third one. I pray that Bob's heart would be open now to the gospel, especially on December the 2nd. God, I pray you open his mind that he will talk about the things of God. 
that you will begin to draw him because his mind is now open. But specifically on December the 2nd, I pray that his heart will be open to the seed to the gospel. You remember this. We talked about this two weeks ago. We talked about the farmer who's cast the seed, right? Some fell on the hard soil. Some fell on the crowded soil. Some fell on the shallow soil. But some took root. Some fell on the good soil. And that's what we're praying is that their heart, that Bob's heart, would be open, fertilized, cultivated, ready for the seed, the Word of God, to take root in their life. We read this. Remember in Luke 8, it says this. Still, other seed fell on the fertile soil, and that's what we're praying for Bob, that his heart would be fertile. The seed grew and produced a crop that was hundred times as much as been planted. Jesus expounds, here's what the parable means, he says. The seed that fell on the good soil is the, is the honest, good-hearted people or person, specifically person, who hears God's Word, who hears the gospel, cling to it though. You remember this, he says right here, when the Word of God is preached and every Sunday I cast seeds, I cast seeds, I cast, I'm preaching the Word, but the devil wants to come in as soon as you leave and snatch that seed from you, take that seed away from you, but this person holds on to it. You see, it says clings, and that's what we're praying for Bob, that Bob will cling to the Word. He'll cling to the Gospel. He'll hold on to the seed so that he will produce a harvest and his life, which actually leads to the fourth one. It actually goes right with it. I pray that God will make the seed grow in Bob's heart. I pray that God will make that seed grow in my mom's heart, in my dad's heart, or my sister's heart, or my coach, or my boss, or my coworker, or my best friend who just doesn't go to church and she don't understand why we do what we do, but God, would you allow that seed to grow in her heart. Because only God can do that. You see, back in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, word broke out all over the city that people had to be saved under a certain preacher. And people were bragging about this. I came to faith under the teaching and the preaching of the Apostle Paul. And they would boast about it. And then this camp over here was like, I came under the teaching and the preaching of Apollos. And Apollos did this. And they were arguing back and forth who should be preaching. And, and we see this today. And there's competition in the church world today. And what preacher is better than that preacher and this preacher and this preacher. And I get this and I get that. We still do the same thing today. But I want you to listen to what the Apostle Paul, who wrote a third of the New Testament, said. Listen to what he says. Verse 6. I planted the seed in your heart. I get that. I preached the gospel, I preached the word, and the seeds have been planted. But Apollos watered it. See, I planted it, but he's the one putting water on it. I, I, I picture that like in your small groups. See, our small groups, and my, my favorite is the sermon-based small groups, is that when you take what I preach on Sunday and you talk about it with people in your life, and if you're not in one or you want to lead one, we will help you find that and get in one. But it's like you get around people and you talk about it. I see that as watering it. Let's water that seed this week. In fact, this week in your small groups, we just want you to focus on praying for people who don't know Jesus. Like really begin to beg God to do what we're talking about today. But I want you to listen to what Paul says. Listen to what he says. But it's only God who made it grow. He says, I can't make the seed grow. Apollos can't make the seed grow. It's not important who does the planting. It doesn't matter what preacher cast the seed. It doesn't matter what Sunday school teacher waters it. 
What's the most important thing that he says right here is this. It's only God that makes the seed grow. So if you are growing in your faith in your life, it's not like, well, that preacher helps me grow. I'm just watering it. I'm just casting the seed. If you are growing in your faith here, it's, you should praise God that God is using that to grow in your life because only he can do that. Only he can make that grow. So we're going to pray that when Clayton casts the seed, that the heart would be ready. But will God quickly let it grab root, germinate, and grow and give their life to Jesus? Because honestly, listen, I can't save you. I can't even save myself. Only Jesus can do that. But it's our responsibility as the people of God to get people in a place and bring them to the place where they can hear the gospel. And the gospel will be preached faithfully when he comes. And then lastly, here's the last one, is I pray that God will use me to reach Bob. I pray that God will use me. That God will use me to reach him. How many of you prayed that before? God, would you use me to reach my coworker? God, would you use me to reach my coach? Would you use me to reach my grandma? God, I want you to use me. See, every one of us have a unique, specific purpose. Every one of you. That's why you're still breathing today. God's not finished. But you also have a general purpose with the family of God. And that's to continue to pass the, generation, pass the gospel to the next generations and see how many people we can cast the seed to. Because it's, you heard what God said. I desire for everyone to come to repentance. So God, would you use me? Would you use me? And usually when you tell people that, I've been have pushed back all the time from people going, well, I'm not an evangelist. No one's saying to be an evangelist. But you have been called to share your faith. I get pushed back and go, well, honestly, and I'm just be honest with you, even been said to me, heard it. I've been in I've been in full-time ministry for 2002. <laughs> Man, I've been around the block. I've heard everything coming and going about church and 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 church is all about your money and all this jazz and stuff. Walmart's all about your money. You still shop there. You know what I'm saying? So we could go on and on and on. And, and listen, I'm not trying to be mean about that. I, I really honestly, with all genuine heart when I say this, if, if that's you, like if you really believe and feel that way, I'm going to give you, I will open up my calendar to you to say, come and sit down and have a conversation with me so you can hear the heart of this house. Because the reality is, God don't need your money. Like, I'm literally being seriously, come please come talk to me and let me share with you where that spirit comes from. But here's what I, I hear. I hear. Well, pastor, that's what we pay the preacher for. Go get them. I've been there. That, that's, why, that's why you're paid. You, you, you go and get them. Don't be pushing this off on me. But the reality is when people say that, it's because they don't know what the pastor's job description is. And the Bible gives me my job description. Me reaching people with the gospel, that's just because I'm a Christian. I, I, I'm, I, listen, 
I purposely have to figure out how to get around lost people. I'm in an office, I'm studying. I think, there might be one on staff that's not saved, but I don't know, we're praying for them right now. So I, I don't know, I'm just, I'm just kidding, they're all saved. But anyway, you're around lost people all the time. I've got to make an effort to figure out how to get around people who don't know Jesus. But the pastor is given to equip you to cast the seeds, to make sure you're fully equipped to do everything God's called you to do, to share your faith, to reach people who don't know Jesus. Because the reality is I can't come to your work, but you can. I can't show up all the time at your house, but you can. I can't go into your locker room and reach your friends, but you can. I can't go back to school, but you are there. It's my responsibility to make sure you're equipped to do that. And that's what we do every Sunday. Try my best to equip you with God's Word. So when you leave these doors, you're ready to share your faith or share your story or to invite someone to experience the gospel. Listen to what Jesus says. Listen to what He says. He said to His disciples, which He says the same thing to us, the harvest is great. 20,000 people in Round County, not in church this morning. It's great. Or in Carter County, 18,000 in Round County. The harvest is abundance. It's not like, I don't know if there's any more lost people around. They're everywhere. But the workers, the ones that are going to get out in the field and cast the seed, the ones that are going to go in this field and water the seed, it's not many. I don't know why there's not many. Maybe it's a mindset for you. Maybe it's like, I just don't know what to do. I just don't know what to say. I don't know how to reach my family and friends. My, my 12-year-old Logan, you know, I was telling you about, he's called the ministry. He's called to preach. He's going to be a phenomenal preacher. He went to KYA or something about politics and, and all that stuff. And I said, man, you love it. Dad, I love government stuff. It's awesome. It's great. I said, man, you'd probably be a great politician. You're going to be a politician someday? He said, no, Dad, I'm called to be a preacher. He said, Dad, I got a friend at school. He don't go to church. How do I get him there? He won't come to youth. I beg him to come to youth. I beg him to come to church. His parents don't go. How do I do that? I said, well, let me talk to your mother. And I said, I got a strategy. Why don't we just invite him over on Saturday, let him stay all night with you. And then he gets up and goes to church with you the next day. He said, Dad, it's awesome. It's brilliant. We're going to figure out any strategy we can to get people in the house. I know I'm talking about a fluffy invite. I just think you should come. No, you're coming. You're going to bring them to a place where they can hear the gospel. And then he says this, pray to the Lord who's in charge of the harvest. Ask him to what? Ask God to send out workers, to send out laborers, to send out more people who will cast the seed and water the seed. And God wants to use you. If the Holy Spirit of God brought someone to your name and to your mind and put a name in your mind, that's because he wants to use you to water and cast the seed. That you would get them to a place they can hear the gospel. So what we're going to do right now, we're going to do a couple of things. We're going to practice what I just talked about. So I want you to just bow your head just for a moment. Who are you going to pray for right now specifically? And I want you to walk through these. Who's on your list? Walk right now through it. God, I pray for Bob. You open his eyes. Pray for him. I pray that you would draw them to your. I pray their heart would be open to the gospel. 
I pray, God, you allow that seed of the gospel to grow. Right now, pray for them. And then pray this bold, audacious prayer. God, use me to reach Bob. Use me. You know, with your head still bowed, we're getting ready to take communion as a family. And in communion, the Bible says as often as you do it, some churches do it weekly, that's fine. Some churches do it quarterly. Some churches do it every month, by and whatever, three or four times a year. But when you take communion, you're reminding yourself and remembering that Jesus came for you, died for you. He got up out of the grave for you, and he's coming back to get you. Which means this, communion is for those who have put their faith and trust in Jesus. And so if you're here and, you, and you, you're not ready, like, I don't know about this God thing yet. I don't even know. I just showed up today and I'm just hanging out. Listen, that is awesome. Please, I beg you, you keep coming. And just in a moment, we're going to do communion. And you just, you don't have to pick up the cup. You just sit right there. No problem. But if today God's opened up your heart and you realize, you know what? Maybe he's talking to me. Maybe I'm blinded. And I need Jesus. Then right now, before we take communion, why don't you just give your life to Jesus? Well, how do I do that? Well, the Bible says if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that he was raised from the dead, you will be saved. Whoever, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. So why don't you just call upon the name of the Lord? Saying a prayer is not what saved you, but your heart can proclaim. And if your heart proclaims it, let your lips declare it. Right where you said to say, Jesus, I need you. I believe you came for me. I believe you died for me. And I believe you got up out of the grave for me. And as best as I know how right now, I surrender my life to you. Forgive me of my sin. Thank you for forgiving me of my sin. Now help me live for you all the days of my life. I'm just curious before we celebrate communion together so we can celebrate with you. Would anyone be so bold to say, Pastor, I'll let you know, I just prayed with you, and today I just gave my life to Jesus. Would you just raise your hand? Come on, let's get it up there. Anybody in the house? We're going to celebrate communion together. Anybody? If you look back up here, underneath your seat should be a cup like this. If you want to reach and grab it. We are going to walk through this together. Bible tells us 1 Corinthians 11 Paul says I pass on to you what I have received from the Lord Jesus himself on the night when he was betrayed the Lord Jesus took some bread and he gave thanks to God for the bread and then he broke it into pieces and said this is my body which was broken for you which was broken for me which is given to you do this in remembrance of me In the same way he took the cup of wine after supper 
He said, this is the new covenant. This is the new testament. There's an old testament and old covenant. This is the new covenant. And this ushers in the new covenant between God and his people. And this agreement and this covenant is confirmed with my blood. Why? Because there's no forgiveness of sin without the shedding of blood. So as his blood ran down, he says, do this to remind you that my blood was shed for you. For every time that you eat, he says, this bread or drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. And folks, who's excited he's coming back for us? Come on now, who's grateful that he's coming back for us? So real quick, before we get rowdy in here, here's what's going to happen. You're going to pray by name for the person that God put in your heart. You're going to get him here. You're going to pray for Clayton as well, that God will use him. And I just want to do this. He shot a video for us. And let's just shoot a video for him. And I'm going to send this to him right after church here, okay? So I'm going to turn around, just overlook the thinning part that's going in the back of my head right here. So I, 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 it took me a while to fade my own hair yesterday. So just, just hang tight, okay? We're going to shoot a video. Y'all ready? All right, y'all hang tight. Here we go. What's up, Clayton, man? We're here at Better Life Church. We're super excited. We got the whole family in here. Come on, church. Yeah. Listen, man, we are expecting God to do great things. We've already prayed for people by name. We've been praying for you, and we're going to believe and declare that God's going to use you to cast the seed, and He's going to cause it to grow. So, buddy, we're praying for you, believing you, and we're expecting God to use you greatly. So come on, church, one more time. We're thankful for you. Love you, man. All right, I'm going to send that to him, and we're going to get rowdy. Let's pray one more time. Let's worship, and then let's go get some good chicken. All right, here we go. Father, thank you so much for your love and your grace, your mercy. Thank you for what you're doing in this house. Lives are going to be changed. Family trees are going to be changed. Generations are going to be changed because your people are going to be faithful to take the seed, to take the gospel and share it in their workplace wherever they go. So Lord, move in this place. We love you, Jesus. In your name we ask you pray. Come on, let's stand up and let's work. Thank you for joining us online today. If while watching this message, you were led to take a next step or made the decision to start following Jesus, we would love to celebrate with you. You can let us know on our website at betterlife.church slash next steps. To stay connected throughout the week, download the Better Life app available on any major platform. Lastly, if you're interested in supporting what God is doing in this ministry, you can give online at betterlife.church slash give now. We're praying that you have a great week and we hope to see you again soon.